The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity in World Religions is a book by longtime Unity minister Paul John Roach that connects the dots between Unity teachings and the tenets of the world's religions. Get your copy today at unity.org slash worldreligions. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, all you creative, intentional spirits out there. And I love getting the feedback that you've been sending in, enjoying uh, so many of our guests that we've had lately and our amazing authors and, and people that are just part of the change that we all long and want to see in the world. As we say so often in unity, uh, in religiosity, there are rules Whereas in spirituality, there are tools, and that's always been my deepest hope and knowing is to be able to offer tools uh, that actually help uh, facilitate a process or processes that allow each and every one of you to have the life that is, is truly beyond your dreams and beyond your imagination. And today we have on our show um, someone that to me is just magnificent. She is a mover and shaker. Uh, she's been a, a, a major player in, in so many great people's lives. Um, our guest today is Dia Shandere Hunter. Uh, she is based out of L.A. And she has the good priv- uh, privilege and pleasure of talking with authors and filmmakers um, all over the world. And I'll be talking with you about her bio later. But Dia, hello and welcome to our show today. Hi, Temple. It's such a great joy and honor to be here with you today. Thank you. Well, I'd like to talk about, you know, the power of intention. And speaking of that, as you know, I have an executive producer of this show, and she's booked out way into the summer. And it occurred to me the other day, well, I love featuring authors, but there was one that I've forgotten to feature, uh, and that's myself. (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought, wow, you know, I'd love to talk about my book, uh, When Did You Die?, Um, because I love the steps and they've been so uh, proactive and helpful in my life. And as life would have it, with putting that intention out there, my executive producer, Andrea, reminded me that we had a sudden uh, cancellation. And I thought, I really want to talk about my book, but there's only one person that I really want to talk about it with, and that would be you. So I'm just honored and humbled you. Uh, that you said yes. And um Take us where you want to go. <laughs> sure. 
Thank you so much. I think this is a great idea, and you and Andrea are brilliant, so it's it's really fun to be here with you. And one thing I'd like to do is is talk about the full title first, because, yes, When Did You Die is, of course, the first part, but the second part is Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. That's quite a title. And this book really is just what the doctor ordered. And so I'd love to start with you talking about your childhood and backstory that lays the groundwork for why you created the tools that you share in this book. Well, for a number of years, especially in my teenage years and in my in my uh, early twenties, I I always I had as much as I believed in the universe and I was a mystic and I was metaphysical. At the same time, the dichotomy for me was I felt, well, why, why, if that was the case, and I'm supposed to be quote unquote special, have I had to go through such hardship and had to survive such tragedy and drama in my childhood? And that was such a, a difference, you know, a message for sure. And um, and that being said, um, I noticed as a child, because I could read energy even then, and I would see how people looked so weary and they were just filled with pain and suffering. And a lot of them weren't aged people. You know, they were very young, but they were already rigid. And I could see that they really weren't vibrant and there, there was something that I just knew instinctively always that our life is a gift and it's not anything to be taken for granted. And yet around me, I wasn't seeing um, much of that kind of philosophy or that, that thought process. That's amazing. Um, why don't you describe your book, um, you know, maybe a paragraph or so, just so that, you know, we can have our listeners really understand, you know, from your words, how you would would describe it? Well, I think that, you know, for me, when I talk about dying, of what I've recognized in being in the human development field all my life, either trying to figure out my own life path um, or to be supportive uh, with other people, that um, I really wanted to approach this thing called dying because most people are terrified to even talk about the word death. I mean, we still, even today, 21st century, we act shocked when somebody dies. Um, you know, we're so surprised by it. Our greatest hope, I think, would be if we could come up with some kind of pill where we didn't have to have a physical death. And I think because we're in such denial of that level of dying and grieving and loss and all those kind of things, that while we're so distracted by our unwillingness to be attracted in that conversation, we're missing out on a level of dying that most of us are not attentive to in everyday life, and that's dying energetically. And that is the gist of what the book is about, is why we are dying, in my humble opinion, why we are dying energetically, and how that happens to us, and steps that we could use that if we would take the time, which is we're not talking large blocks of times, if we would be willing to do some of the processes and integrate new awarenesses, that we would have a vibrant and energetic life. I have more energy in my 50s than I ever had in my 30s. My energy through the year increases, doesn't decrease. And that's not because I'm 
you know, unique in that way. It's because of the, the foundation that I've built through myself and for myself through the years, some willing and some hardship. That I understand that when we're born with energy as a child, we're fascinated with babies. And I think one of the reasons we are is we are so just sitting in the space of a holy moment of how much energy that child has. And, and we crave that for ourselves. And truth, the truth, the greater truth of who we are is that when we die a physical death, we ought to have more energy than we were born with. But we're taught otherwise through programs, through media, through systems that we're not able to do that. And nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely. How is that? Um, <laughs> exactly. So when you, you talk about dying while we're living, because, you know, we just, we all know, of course, about the physical death, even if we are kind of, not dealing with those facts or being prepared in the ways that we could be. But so much of this book is about dying while we are living. And can you talk about that and and perhaps maybe a little bit about what we can do about that? Absolutely. Um, it could be it could be that something has happened in in one's life. Uh, for those that you are listening, perhaps you had an automobile, or you've had some kind of major accident, or you've lost a loved one through death or separation, or had a major surgery. Could be you have a dream that's lying dormant that you've kind of put in a closet. Um, a number of people that have read the book already told me that, like one woman was a singer. And that was like her greatest dream. And she had died to that idea and put it in the closet, but now she had rebirthed it. She started to sing again. It could be people that are unhappy in relationships and marriages or they're doing a J-O-B that they don't want to, you know, be part of. Um, there's a lot of people that are dying energetically because they're waiting on the next thing in order for them to be happy. I think the big one for me, Dia, that's kind of a guiding um, way of living right now now is this particular question within the past 24 hours have you had an encounter with someone to whom you did not say what you truly felt or wanted to say and i that is a question that i i look at that as a measurable often in my life you know where did i hesitate to be assertive or where did i tell the restaurant that i i wasn't happy with the food um there are so many companies that lose customers because no one ever tells them and really want to know, you know. So where do we hesitate to tell our partner or our person or our friend or our employer um, ways that we want to be treated? Because I think ultimately people are willing to sit in that level of truth, but they have to know it. You know, not everybody is gifted with being a psychic. So what I address in the book, for example, one of those ideas is to put your whole self in and to live life from that, that when you're at the workplace, you're truly there, you're truly enrolled, you're truly uh, listening, you're attentive, uh, you've got your whole self in. Uh, you're not hesitating, and you're not hesitating when you go home. When you're home, you're really home. You're with the people you love. You're in that energy, but you put your whole self in. A lot of people are kind of operating on reserve mode. Well, when I see what somebody else does, then I'll give more. 
you know, once they prove themselves, I'll get further in. And what happens is they forget in subtle ways they're working with the law of attraction. I've known people that go on match.com and, you know, looking for love.com. They don't even tell the truth about their age, <laughs> all kind of things, and yet they're anticipating finding some evolved, spiritual, enlightened person to couple up with. And you have to be that. You know, you have to put your whole self into that experience in order to get that back. Absolutely. Have Have you um, heard from some people that have been using your eight steps Um you know, in this book, have you gotten some good feedback already about how lives have been changed? I have. Uh, you know, I, I recognize that the book, it was launched in, in November. A lot of pe- people bought it for themselves and for other people. It was an Amazon bestseller. Um, and I think it was a good time around the holidays, but I also think because of the holidays, uh, a lot of people haven't, you know, had the opportunity to delve into it yet mm-hmm. um but having said that the feedback i've been getting has been great um i've had people um i had a gentleman write me not long ago and tell me that the book made him realize that he's been dying a lot for about 10 years because geographically he's in the wrong place and he's mm-hmm. in a place and space he doesn't want to be in and he's made excuses long enough but through every part of his being he knows that he needs to be somewhere different and he's starting now to make plans in that direction. You know, I told you about the woman um, singing. I have another mm-hmm. um I have another comment that came in from from a woman who has said that she's using that now with uh, everything she does. Is this giving me life or is this energetically making me die a little? And she's oh, using great. that as a premise to say, I only choose the vibrancy of life. And so based upon that, is this the best choice for my life? And I'm not talking about, you know, do I eat an almond joy or not? I'm talking about, you know, is it, <laughs> I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, some kind of obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm talking about just with the big decisions, you know, that we make, whether to sign up for a particular workshop, uh, whether to go out on a date with a particular individual. Um, and, and she's been using it and saying that it's really helped her not sugarcoat, uh, some of her feelings. Mm-hmm. And I really talk about that a lot in the book, and I've gotten some comments about that, is, you know, thank you, Temple, for for showing us that uh, if the Creator did not want us to have feelings, we would not be created with them. And I, I approach that from many different angles, especially this thing called fear. And I address it at a much deeper level and also share uh, in a very vulnerable perspective on my own feelings around that and and my own fear of some things that I've had to face in my lifetime. I think we should focus a little bit more on fear because it's so important and it's so destructive. Um, Is there something more, you know, even whether it be your own um, experience that you'd like to share or, you know, some advice about fear, um, you know, it's in the book or even 
even not in the book, but just something because I know that's something at times we all face, whether it's little teeny fear or the biggest possible one. Um, but I, I'd love to hear what else you could tell us on, on fear. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, fear uh, and ideas about fear are kind of like in our society, ideas about busyness. They've just become these glorified cliches, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and so I really, I realized that of all the, you know, years of being a teacher and being a student and person, that fear, uh, it's just seems to be always in the way of people making changes in their lives, um, fulfilling dreams and those kind of things. So the, the subtitle of, uh, chapter two in my book is how to walk into your life by walking through your life. How to walk into your life by walking through your life. And that meaning is that instead of, oh, I have the fear, it's, you know, it's just not real, I'm going to move forward, but that fear just keeps coming, you know, and it comes back and then it comes again and it gets bigger and those kind of things. To me, the value is at first I own it and I sit with it. And I see it in a relationship of what does it mean for me. So an example would be I was doing a house blessing for a family in our spiritual community. They're very special to me. And so I offered to do it. And I went over and they had a um, nine-year-old little girl named Nancy. And uh, she walked me into her room, and on her nightstand, she showed me um, all these little stones that she had, these rocks. And I said, what are they? And she said, oh, they help me because I have these really bad nightmares at night, and uh, I get really scared. And I said, you do? And she said, yeah, every night. And I said, well, what do you like to do? And she said, I love to paint and I love to draw. And I said, is that what you want to do with your life? And she said, oh, I love it. It's Yes, that's absolutely, I want to do that all my life. She said, you know, at nine, so boldly, <laughs> I want to do that all my life. It's so I, sweet. I, it's so sweet. And I said, I said, well, has it ever occurred to you that maybe some of the images you're seeing at night They come to you when you are asleep so you can draw them the next day. And she said, Oh, that's brilliant. She said, I didn't think of that. And that was uh, about a year ago. And I asked her mom even uh, last month. I said, how's Nancy doing with those uh, dreams? And she said, she's never had a nightmare since. Now. Beautiful. Okay, so that's not about just me. It's about Nancy. It's about that I did not use my adult energy uh, and my power of life to override her. I didn't make her wrong. I didn't say, why would you be afraid? I mean, you have a big window and your parents are next door. I didn't say, let's get you a nightlight. I didn't say... Well, that's kind of silly, don't you think? Or what are you really afraid they're going to do? I met her at the space that she was at, and I allowed my own intuitive guidance to kind of set a stage for her of what could be possible. But that is where we can break the cycle with people and their humanity 
is that we are really, um, I call it the validatorians, uh, Dia. That's really mm-hmm. how we can serve other people is that we validate where they are first. And then that allows the freedom and the space of recognition of feeling safe for them to transcend to another level. I mean, if that had been me telling somebody that at my age, I mean, my father would have made fun of me. He would have called me, that's so stupid for you to be so smart. How could you be afraid of something that's made up? You know, it's because of those movies. I mean, it would have just been all this, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you know. And so we, we, in order for us as a culture to, to do better, we have to do differently. And so yeah. that's a, that's a great example. And, and obviously, um, I would never run out of, uh, those to share, but we're looking at now it's time for us to go to break. And I wanted to share with you who I'm talking to today so you could get a good uh, window and vision of who she is, Dia Shandere Hunter. She's a highly regarded and seasoned entertainment creative executive, having served to nurse over 25 years at Paramount Pictures, the Walt Disney Company, and MGM. Her most recent post was Executive Vice President of World My Marketing for MGM Television. Today, she consults in nearly every area of the entertainment and communications business, and including publicity, marketing, production, distribution for books, products, films, and television. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Brent Hunter, author of The Rainbow Bridge, Bridge to Inner Peace and to World Peace. And Brent Hunter has been on our show uh, two or three times. His book is in its fourth edition. And I also want to say, didn't he get an endorsement by the Dalai Lama? Yes, he did. So there and, you go. And the book, this fourth, <laughs> this fourth edition, has also won 15 awards already. So it's just really doing quite well. And <laughs> it's um, it's really a lot of our life's work together, uh, although he's the author. But it's something that we both work on together. And we want to see world peace and inner peace every day of our lives. And that's the reason that we uh, found each other um, from the very beginning. So if you're just coming on board, I'm Temple Hayes uh, with Intentional Spirit. We're talking about my book today. It just came out, When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. We'll be right back following this short message. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Looking for the spiritual in your everyday life? Searching for meaning in the meaningless? Check out the book, Rants to Revelations, by Reverend Ogenholder. Using his characteristic wit, humor, and storytelling, Reverend Ogen brings spiritual insight into practically every arena of human life. 
From issues of spiritual growth and family life to deep theological concerns about God and reality, he combines personal narrative with philosophical and scientific understanding to bring a fresh perspective into the life of faith in today's postmodern world. Pick up a copy of Rants to Revelations today from www.rantstorevs.com. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Rev. Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Rev. Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. If you're just coming online with us, um, we're talking today about the new up-and-coming book, When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. I also want to mention the other subtitle, which is um, such a passion for me, is how we move people from disconnected and drained to energized and impassioned. Um, I'm the author of the book. If you want to know more and how to get it on Amazon.com, you can go to my website, TempleHayes, H-A-Y-E-S.com, and you can purchase the book from there. You can also find out more about how to go to Alaska with me as I'll be talking about the book on that cruise. I'm talking today with an extraordinary human being that represents books, products, films, and television with people all over the world. Her name is Dia Shandere Hunter, and she's based out of L.A. Dia, thank you so much for being with me. I just appreciate who you are and what you're doing. It is my life. pleasure and honor to be with you, Temple. And I just wanted to make a, just a quick comment about the story you shared about the young uh, girl named Nancy. And I just want you to know that I, I know that that touched a lot of people. It definitely touched me. There were some things I needed to hear in that story. So I'm very grateful for you sharing it. And right now, um, I'm hoping we can talk a little bit more about, you know, your story that the part of your life that, you know, where you thought you were dying a little bit every day um, and sort of how you came to the conclusion that that was happening and how it instigated the practices that you write about in When Did You Die? You bet. And, and it's because of that early life of mine that I, I lived through it 
and continue to walk in my life by walking through my life um, that this book has life in the first place. So we're actually talking about my birthing rights. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so having said that, um, yes, uh, born a mystic, um, metaphysical I didn't attend a metaphysical class and decide I was metaphysical. Um, I was metaphysical as a child, always asked questions, always wanted to know. Um, I was born in a very small town with small minds, often big hearts, but small minds. And back then, we're talking uh, late 50s, early 60s, and in the mid-60s, you couldn't go on an internet and research, I'm different. You know, who out there is like me? And so all you had was the world that you saw through a library, through your teachers, through your models and those kind of things. And so that being said, um, I felt wrong and made wrong and often shamed by asking questions. And when I wanted to know about our philosophy or our theology, um, my, my parents or my grandparents would say that God would be disappointed in my even asking. Uh, we were deep rooted. They were deep rooted Southern Baptists. And I, I want to say that, you know, I admired my grandmother for that even though that was our disconnect because the philosophy didn't resonate with me. But I always admired how dedicated she was, even though it wasn't, you know, mine to do. But that being said, it was so weird because I would be in nature. I'd be so connected. I knew that God was my source, my power. I talked to God all the time, and then I'd go inside and get beat up. Or I'd go inside and I'd watch my mom get beat up. Or I'd go uh, to my grandmother's to discover that my mom had been taken away at 10 years old to have shock treatments because she had supposedly this alleged affair that no one even talked about because in the South we never talked anything through because everything was in a closet. Everything was a secret. And so my mother was taken away when she was returned to me um, many weeks later and to my family. She had very little memory of even what my childhood was. They were horrific times. There were many times when my father sat with a gun in his lap and us not really knowing what was going to happen. And so I would go, God, where are you in all this? Okay, this doesn't line up. It was such a huge dichotomy. The beauty is I am so able to see dichotomies today. I'm so able to see how things are meant well, but they're not congruent. You know, they're incongruent. I'm able to see collectively how someone's mission is not their day-to-day choices and things that they do. So it Mm. has been um, a life that I have been in great development. You know, it's like people will say to me sometimes, I want to do great things in the world. I want to be a difference maker. And I want to be able to stand in front of a room and talk about global world peace. And I said, well, then... More than likely, you've been through great problems, great challenges, and those kind of things. You've been to the depth of your soul because otherwise you wouldn't be able to stand in front of a room and have that believability of what it's like to go to the depth of your being. So what I did through years is I um, I went through a process where I took little three-by-three three, uh, inch sheets of paper and I wrote down every event of my life, everyone that would come into my conscious awareness. And I said, that's when I felt like God wasn't there. That's when I felt like my guardian angel had left me early retirement. That's when I felt like I was let down. That's when I felt like, why am I here? I'm adopted. I don't belong here. And that's when I felt like a victim. And I wrote, tot, 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 every one of those down. And then I went back and I looked at that same list with a different set of eyes and a different space in my heart. And I looked at that and I went, 
how were you, my friend? How did you enhance my life? And then I saw it, and then I cried, Mm. and then I wept, and then I became more alive because I realized that everything had happened just the way it was supposed to happen in order that I be myself and have my own life experience. And had I had one of them been different, I would not be where I am now. And that doesn't mean I have arrived. It doesn't mean I'm on a couch, you know, feeding my ego. It just means that it was perfect for the work that I'm to do in the world. That is so profound. And I, you know, I've heard about healers and psychics and mediums and, and people who have gone through perhaps not, you know, to the extent that you did, but, you know, some pretty serious stuff in childhood, you know, definitely more than one would think a child could handle. And it really has been the, you know, the prep school, if you will, for their work. And I see that here too. And it's, you know, it's so beautiful and profound to get to that place after identifying all these things that felt, you know, very challenging and negative when they were happening and even for a while after. And to be able to turn that to a different, you know, see it through a different lens is really, really, really fabulous. And I know that there's many ways in the book to share that um, with your readers and your audience. And we all need this, no matter what we've gone through. And, you know, we're all like snowflakes, so everything's a little bit different um, from each other. But it's it's really profound, and thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um what are some of the spiritual and shamanic traditions that you featured in the book? Well, in in going back to fear, which is such a, uh, you know, fear is our often our subtle or our unconscious driver. Uh, it's our bus driver, if you will. Um, and if that were not the case, uh, we would not have amazing, grounded, balanced, uh, dynamic, energetic people get one opinion about their health and just do whatever somebody tells them to do and never question it and never get a second opinion. Uh, fear is that we watch one window from one journalist and one opinion and not even have all the facts and we make a opinion that will, that we can hold on to, to the rest of our lives because of what one person out of 7.3 billion people said on the planet. We have lost our ability to use common sense. So in the shaman path of believing in wholeness, infinity, and oneness and everything being connected, um, I give a process and an exercise in there that a person can go to the depth of meditation and they can discover their own symbol that they can use that when they feel that initial sensation or instinct of fear, that they're able to use this wisdom and it will dissipate that fear that over time it will become so diminished. It may not ever go away, but it will not keep us from moving forward in the new way, you see. So yeah. it's a very powerful uh, process uh, that will help. There are rituals that 
that I've been doing for many years and through the years, um, as in calling in the directions with my own spin on it and the way that adding in new thought, philosophy, and theology of how I believe in this, that we are all connected. But again, uh, Dia, not just a cliche, we're all connected, we're all one, but in a way that really uh, implements within ourselves and our being that intention of a day to expect that everything is connected. And so I I carry people through a ritual that if they are willing to do it over a 30-day period, their energy will change, their vibrancy will change. Um, they will become different, no doubt about it, but different in a way that is more enhanced and for the betterment of themselves. Mm-hmm. Very nice. There's so many profound, just gigantic jewels of wisdom here. And, I mean, even just taking out that what one person said to you, you know, out of 7.3 billion, you know, like that's a really great thing to take home with everybody today. Um, It's really amazing. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, I'm wondering what happens when we become robotic in nature and how does this happen? You know, it, it probably starts early on. Uh, if I was to give my own humble opinion, it starts early on when we're in elementary school. You know, I remember the first time that we had to all climb up under our desks because we were told that something really bad was going to happen that day. And, and then the next thing I knew, there were two or three times in my years of elementary, uh, junior high, high school, that we were told that the end of the world was coming. And, mm-hmm. and when you get to that raw fear of being afraid and then being trained to be wrong for, you know, questioning your fears <laughs> and you're in mm-hmm. that space, then you are, you're very, uh, vulnerable. It, it's like somebody said one time and I love it. I, I love it so much. I wish I had thought of it. It's brilliant. When we start out and we go to school and education, we are one big question mark. Why? What is possible? What can I dream of? How big can I be? And when we get out, we are one period. Well, Mm. the doctor said this, and so that's the way it's going to be, period. My teacher told me that I'm really not bright enough to be a scientist, and so I know that's true, period, because she knows true. You know, this person told me that I'm never going to amount to anything, and so, period. And... um. And so we lose that, you know, immense ability to be that, that bigger being within our, within ourselves. And so time and time again, when we're so influenced, I mean, even way back, I mean, in the 1800s, Emerson said was to kind of be mindful of the news that you're hearing because it's just such a small window. Well, even back when, you know, when I was growing up, even if they gave a news story, they would follow it through and even tell you sometimes the good results. Now, it's like the more drama, the better, the more drama, the better. And people say, look at the world. Have you ever watched the news? And it's like the news doesn't really reflect the world. It reflects one window from a few opinions. And when we are guided by that and the weather and whether or not we're going to have a good day because it might rain three days from now, we are robotic. We are not using our inner wisdom, our inner connecting 
connectedness to spirit. Uh, we're not following our true path of what can be. It's like we are putting the address of where we want to arrive in our get navigation system, but we're refusing to go the direction that it's telling us to go. Profoundly, though, is that we get upset with it if we don't arrive at our place of arrival. But yet we've mm. never really listened. So people hold the creator accountable. They blame God for where they feel they are not in their lives. And yet they're not listening to what the creative forces have been telling them all along. You can't blame something if you haven't put your whole self into it in the first place. So that would be, you know, something that I would feel, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of passion um, about. I want to thank all of you for listening today to our our time together. Um, I want to thank all of you for sharing our radio show, The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, which is what we're talking about today, how you see life and how you can be in your life in the most profound way. I'm grateful and humbled by all of you that share our shows with your friends and your family and people on your social network uh, movement. I'm talking with Dia Shandere Hunter, and we are discussing When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. We'll be right back after this short break. a coach in your corner a life coach that is like a coach in sports a life coach can help you set clear goals and develop the confidence and tools you need to achieve them join certified life coach carla mcclellan tuesdays at 3 p.m for vibrant living on unity online radio each week coach carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to help make your life more focused more meaningful and more vibrant. Do you have a specific issue or topic you'd like to discuss with Coach Carla? Call in toll-free Tuesdays at 3 p.m. during Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, 
in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. I'm talking uh, with the author today, Temple Hayes. Interviewed by Dia Sandere Hunter. She represents uh, authors and products and films from people all over the world. And if you have a, a great book out there that you want the world to know about, now she's somebody that I would want you to know about. And she's also, her information is on my website, templehays.com. And also, if you want to know more about the Rainbow Bridge, which is a bridge to inner peace and world peace, you can go to therainbowbridge.org. Dia, it's such a pleasure um, talking with you. And I'm, I'm having just you, uh, such a beautiful time because um, it is neat when you're talking about your own your own child, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Birthing and rights. You're, you know, this is such an important book, and I'm thrilled to be able to help your audience hear more about it. And I'd love to know how do the mystical experiences play a role in being energized and impassioned versus being drained and disconnected? Well, when when we are in that place of sitting in what is possible versus living in a box. I mean, the joke around here in my spiritual community and people that are in this, the close circle in my life, they, they get tickled and they say, don't even bring regular boxes around temple. You know, I don't believe in a box. I don't, um, I don't eat food out of a box. Um, and I just, um, I feel like that is part of our everyday practice is to not just live from this is the way life is, this is the way my father did it, this is the way I'm supposed to do it, this is the way somebody else did it, this is the way, you know, but all those influences and things. But to be to be a mystic, to ask the questions, to ponder, to explore, and to be open to um, what is possible and that openness to sit in the midst of another human being and really get them and and feel them and experience them. And it took me a long time to be, um, what would be the word, uh, courageous or willing uh, to just say what comes through me. Um, for example, mm-hmm. not long ago, I was um, a woman had come to see me. She was going through some really troubling times. And so we we're sitting there together and um, and she's just talking. And I kept getting this image of Carol Burnett, a strong image. And I'm not 
I mean, Carol Burnett is awesome, but I'm not really, it's not like she's somebody that I watch a lot of or anything. And it was just really strong. Uh, and so <laughs> I kept getting this strong message. Tell her that she needs to start watching a lot of the Carol Burnett shows. And I said, hmm. You're supposed to be watching a lot of the Carol Burnett shows. And she turned like three shades of red. And she said, how did you know that Carol Burnett is like my favorite person of all times? Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and and I didn't know. Okay. I didn't know that I knew, but I was willing. And, I, and it's not that, you know, again, that we all have that ability if we can just open the space and if we don't have that controlled space and if we mm-hmm. don't have, well, what it's supposed to be or what our position is supposed to be or what's supposed to really happen. If we don't have all these attachments to things um, and we can allow ourselves, it does make us more energized and impassioned because instead of just using cliches that we're all one and we're connected, you get to be in the experience of what that feels like. And I want that for everybody. Yes. Yes. And that comes through in your book because, you know, the tools that are there, they can help people, you know, who have issues and are in recovery or not yet in recovery or just, you know, whatever it is that's challenging, no matter how large or small it is. This, you know, the tools in this book are for everyone, in my opinion. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the term that you use, that your dreams are waiting on you to come true in the book. What do you mean by that? I've known a lot of people that they delay the good in their lives. Uh, I'll be happy when... Um, one day when my dreams come true, then I'll stop smoking or I'll get my act together or I'll be more kind to my wife or, you know, whatever it is. It's a delayed, mm-hmm. it's almost like a universal ultimatum. Universe, you do this and then I'll do that. I used to practice that when I was a teenager. <laughs> give me a car. You know, back then it was give me a car that looks good with a great radio and I promise, you know, I'll quit smoking or whatever. And the universe does not work in that particular way. It, the universe responds to inertia, movement, leaning forward, just like the plant reaches towards the sun and the sun's reaching towards the, the plant. That's happening simultaneously. So instead of me using an old idea and a cliche, I'm waiting on my dreams to come true. I thought, no, not with my unity philosophy, not with my uh, energy philosophy, uh, with my metaphysical mysticism. That will not work. I need to make that about movement now. So my dreams are waiting on me to come true. So if over here I have a dream of the future, whether it's to be on TV or whether it's to be in the movies, what part within me right now needs to come true so that could happen? You know, maybe I work on my faith. Um, maybe I, I work on another uh, level of design for clothing. Uh, maybe I practice more in front of a camera. You know what I mean? It's uh, what mm-hmm. needs to happen right now that there's energy towards that. And um, it keeps our, our energy and our vibrant selves from uh, stagnating because we are then part of the process so that when our dreams do come true, we go, oh, how have you been? 
You know, I'm ready for you. <laughs> yeah. Tell it or sabotage it because we're not prepared, because we haven't mm-hmm. been growing towards it all along. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. It makes great sense. Um, you know, I love this book so much. Is there any way we can give a copy of When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up to, like, one of your audience members? Well, you know, that's a great idea, and I'll go one better than that. Let's give three away. I like to do things. Oh, great. You know, 111 is a very magical number for me. So what I'm Mm going to say is the first three people that write me on Temple, on email, at temple at templehaze.com, the first three people to do that, I'm going to send you a book. Be sure and put oh, your address on there, and I will take care of that, and we will announce the winners next week. That'd be great. Great idea, Dia. Really appreciate it. Oh, I love that. that. And and three lucky people are going to have their life changed before, before they really even know it. I mean, it's so exciting. Um, let's, you know, I mean, it's amazing how fast this time has gone, and there's so much more to talk about on the book. Let's... Um, put our heads together and see if there's something that's just absolutely raising its hand to be spoken today that we may not have thought of, you know, even mentioning yet that I that would be really great to share with your listeners. Well, I I like to say that, you know, wherever you are, that that's where you start from. You start where you are. And I remember you know, as I was just into early sobriety, uh, 29 years old, and going into group therapy, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my interests were. I had become very passive and apologetic because I was not living the life that my life was really destined to be. And um, But I had to start where I was, and that's where I was at at the time. But I had this idea this um, vision of what I could grow into. And um, I made a decision then that I would practice that you get what you bring. And you always get what you bring. We've all been hurt. We've all been disappointed. We've all had tragedy. We are human beings in a human suit. But if you live life that whatever you say you want, it's a requirement. It's a non-option. It's a requirement for you to bring that in order to get that in return. So mm-hmm. that being said, if you desire to have someone love you for who you are, that requirement is to love yourself as who you are. We won't ever find an experience, a God, another person, a boss, anything that will ever treat us in a way that is um, sustainable, unless we're treating ourselves that way. Even if they did, we would reject it because we're not comfortable with it. So, get into the game of who you are, believe in who you are, and realize it's not necessary to get old, that you can remain a vibrant being. When did you die? Eight steps to stop dying every day and start waking up. Join us on templehaze.com and learn more about how you can get involved 
with these processes that can totally transform your life. Dia, thank you so much for being uh, with me today. It is my pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Now you got me hooked. It's like, oh, wow, let's do this again in the summer. We have to do this again. <laughs> well, there's so much that we didn't get to talk about. I mean, I can't believe how fast it went. So, you know, if you want to do this again, you got me. All right. Well, thank you so much. And if our listeners write in and say, let's do this again, then we will absolutely do it. Thank you so much. And God bless you, Dia, on this incredible journey, you and Brent, that we call thank life. You. And we will all keep doing our part in bringing peace to the world. And I give special thanks to Unity Online Radio, the voice of the awakening world. And also thank all of you for your ongoing contributions and supporting and allowing us to be part of this change. God bless you, you, everyone. And God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell 
licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcast. 